welcome to Leveling the Playing Field, a podcast featuring women who work in sport. My name is Bobby Sue Doyle Hazard. I'm your host, and welcome back to another week. A quick administrative note or two here before we roll into it. Don't forget to purchase your tickets for the Women's Sports Museum Gala on October 19th in Sarasota, Florida. For more information on the museum, how to help, and to purchase tickets to go to the gala and, you know, hang out with me <laughs> and Christina from last week, go to womensportsmuseum.org. There are going to be some tremendous trailblazers there. So check it out. And our 50th episode is a mere two weeks away, y'all. Send us your ideas before the end of this week for what we should do. And if you send me a note or leave a review, we may feature you on that episode. After a really tough couple of weeks for a lot of women in this country, this week's guest brings a lot of hope because she's helping to empower young girls to be go-getters, innovators, risk-takers, and leaders. Jessica Muroff is the CEO of the Girl Scouts of West Central Florida. As a former Girl Scout herself, Jessica truly believes in the mission driving the Girl Scouts organization. Her career began in marketing, particularly in the financial sector, and then after some time serving on the board of a nonprofit, she decided maybe she'd move on to the nonprofit world. And then when she took the giant leap over to the role of CEO at the Girl Scouts of West Central Florida, she says she knew she had to try for it because it was her dream job. A leader in the community, a 2018 Tampa Bay Business Journal Businesswoman of the Year honoree, please enjoy this interview with Jessica Muroff. Hi, Jessica. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am super excited. Um, I'm going to ask you what I ask everyone, even though right now your career isn't in sports, but I think you still will have an answer for this. How did you fall in love with sport? Oh, goodness. Um, well, my my dad's, you know, an athlete, not a professional one, but um, but he always, he really instilled a love of sports for me growing up. I started out um, playing softball, actually. And I played in, I softball in high school too. And, you know, and I've always just enjoyed, you know, the sports, you know, as activities with my dad and, um, and doing that together as a family. Unfortunately, um, I got hit in the face with the softball my, uh, during high school and that kind of ended my Oh, no. <laughs> it's a very Jan Brady kind of moment. It really or, was. And I, I mean, literally right before prom and it busted all the blood vessels in my eye. Um, and so I will never forget or Marcia that Brady, I guess. <laughs> right. but oh, I no. still, I, yeah. But I've always I've always loved playing softball. Um, but, you know, sports in general, um, I enjoy being you know a spectator and celebrating the athleticism um, of others and and enjoying that as a family. Oh gosh, I can't believe you got hit in the face. That's so sad. <laughs> yes, it was so sad. And I had to play the game still. And I like my eye was completely, I mean, just completely um, swollen shut. And I still had to play. Oh no. And then like, what were pictures like for prom? Oh, they were, they were terrible. I mean, it looked like, um, you know, it was just my eye was completely, you know, all the white in it was red. It yeah. looked lovely. Oh, no, <laughs> um, you um, you are 
pretty local to the Tampa area um, and ended up going to USF for school. How did you make that decision? What, what went into that decision? Well, I am the first person in my family to, um, to go to college. And so uh, applying for college was something that was, I just did independently. So I really didn't know what to really do when applying for college. I mean, I, I applied to only Florida universities just from a cost perspective um, and uh, selected USF because, you know, it was, it was close to home. Um, and, and truly I, I, you know, I wanted to, I, I was just a, a university that I, I felt when I visited the campus and, and began to get involved, it, I felt like that was, that was the place for me. So that's why I chose USF. Um, what did you think you wanted to be at that point? Um, and I, this, you're going to laugh at me, um, because I, I was very bold and loud about this and I'm a little, um, I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, but I told everybody that I wanted to be the first woman president of the United States. Oh my God. And- I love it. <laughs> you still and can everybody- be sadly. <laughs> Um, uh, I, um, I, and and everybody knew this about me. I mean, I, I was this freshman, you know, high confidence. You wanted to get involved in everything and go after everything. Like I just, and everybody knew that about me too. They're like, Oh, Jessica. Yes. She's the girl that wants to be the president of the United States. I mean, it's just so funny. Um, that's amazing. Looking back at it now, I, I do not want to be president anymore, but um, but it certainly shaped my uh, my collegiate career because I did end up becoming president of our student body. Um, and I am the last female student body president they've had at USF and it's been 20 years. So what? Yeah, I know. It's unbelievable. Um, and I, you know, trying to mentor girls and 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 be involved with the university now to to change that. Um, but Anyways, I do think that that kind of drive that I had first coming in and that that really audacious like life goal that I had for myself at that time, um, you know, I think drove me to do the leadership positions that I did at university. Where do you think that drive came from? I mean, you and I have talked uh, personally, and I know that you didn't have the easiest of like childhoods. So Mm -hmm. where do you think that came from? I think that came from uh, just really hard work. You know, I think that uh, when you, you know, when you, when you have to work really hard for the things that you want and need in life, I think that uh, that really instills a, a drive in you. And I think too, at the very core of my being is wanting to serve others and make a difference and, um, and, and do something meaningful with my life. Like I, that's just, that's just the person that I am. And I know that about myself. And I, um, you know, and I was a Girl Scout when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. I'm the oldest of, of four kids. Uh, and I think just all of those things gave me the drive to and shaped the person that I, that I am today. So going from wanting to be the first female president of the United States to getting <laughs> to getting a master's in secondary English education. Did we think we were going to be a teacher? You know, I did. I wanted to, when I graduated with my bachelor's degree, it was right during the dot-com bust. 
Um, and with a person with a degree in communications, it wasn't very easy to find um, a job um, or one that I really wanted. So uh, I decided just to go back to school and get my master's degree. And I, I did want to teach. Um, I wanted to, um, I wanted to work with youth and I, um, and so I thought that would be, and I loved my master's degree. I loved learning. Like my, my, like if I look at my collegiate experience in total, my undergrad degree was all about all of the things I did on campus. Um, and by being involved, like all of those experiences that I had in leadership, but then my master's degree was all about, um, was all about learning. And, and I loved my classes, uh, and I really focused on, um, the actual like degree that I was obtaining. But then when I, um, when I graduated, it's funny how things just meander back to where you began. Um, (laughs) I, um, my first job was with the uh, Southwest Florida water management district in their communications and education department. So I actually got to pull both of my degrees together and into a role that was communications and education. And, um, and then, you know, from there, it just kind of continued down the route of marketing and communications. And, you know, I, and that's where I spent a majority of my career in the for-profit sector in marketing, um, before I transitioned over to nonprofit. Yeah. I mean, for, our listeners, you you went from the water management district to Chapel Roberts, which is a, a local um, marketing firm. Um, you were a marketing director at Saks Fifth Avenue, which had to been interesting. I'm guessing you oh, got a discount or two. <laughs> I think I spent all of my paycheck. Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. Because even with the discount, yeah. <laughs> It didn't really help. <laughs> I know, right? I worked at Express for like a month once and I swear to God, all of my money just went to Express. Um, yeah. And then you were at Raymond James Financial um, and I didn't even know that they they had marketing services. Oh, it's a huge department. I mean, we it was an in-house, basically an in-house advertising agency. Oh, okay. That's really interesting. Um mm-hmm. And then you jump ship. So again, back to that service um, and that, you know, desire to want to be of service to other people. Um, you went over to Frameworks and can you talk a little bit about what Frameworks is and, and what sure. and what you did there? Sure. And um, Frameworks is a local nonprofit to Tampa Bay that develops the social and emotional skills um, of youth. They have evidence-based programs, um, from K through 12, um, at every, at every grade level, uh, for implementing strategies in the classroom and out of the classroom to enhance their, um, social and emotional skills, which is, you know, emotional intelligence from the business sense of it, uh, which is a vitally important skill for all of us to have, to be successful in life. Um, so I became, I was on their board before, making the transition, um, to be a, a member of their staff. Uh, and that's, and it was at this point in my career where I felt like I love my job at Raymond James. I worked really hard. Um, but I wanted my work to, um, to have meaning and to be creating positive change in the community. But I also, um, but I also felt like I was working too much and not spending enough time and focusing, um, on my family and my kids 
my girls. And so I thought, oh, I could go work for the nonprofit sector and not have to work as many hours. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so cute. (laughs) Right. It's really silly. Um, and, um, And so it was a big transition. It was a huge culture shock for me because I went from this very well managed and organized and successful financial services firm that was growing by leaps and bounds and had some really impressive people that I worked with that I learned so much from um, to a small nonprofit that um, that was still figuring out its programs and how it delivered its programs and its brand in the community and um, and building its awareness in the community. Um, so there was a huge difference between those two work environments. But I'm so glad that I, I made that transition because um, at the end of the day, uh, when I came to Frameworks, realizing all of the work that needed to be done to build a solid foundation for that organization, um, that was a tremendous learning experience for me. I mean, because a nonprofit at the end of the day is a business. Um, we, we, have, we have expenses we need to manage and we have revenue that we have to bring in. Um, and just because it says nonprofit doesn't mean that we need to make a profit. We need to, we need to break even if not better. Um, and I would say, I would argue we need to do better than break even on our budget so that we have money to reinvest in our missions every day. Um, (laughs) so, you know, so it's a business at the end of the day. And, and, um, and so I'm really, I'm really grateful that I've made this transition because I can use the business skills that I've gained over the, the years um, and apply it in a very meaningful way in our community. And I, I just could not be more grateful for making that transition. You know, um, when looking at your LinkedIn and, and kind of seeing the trajectory, one of the things that that kind of caught me was how you went from a manager of account services and marketing to CEO Mm -hmm. and what a big jump that must have been for you Mm -hmm. in terms of overall responsibility. And then just to learn maybe the total business as opposed to the one piece that you're focused on. Oh, you, you just read my, you literally put put words on the thing, the things that was in my head. That's exactly right. You become you. You have a much broader scope and and what you are responsible for, what you're leading. You know, having that strategic vision. Um, you know, having a team to motivate and engage. Um, you know, it's there's, it, and I think that part for me is really exciting. I really, um, I I really love that the the breadth of my job. What did you do to to help your help yourself in that transition to kind of come from the more narrow to the broader scope or just to maybe even, I don't know, catch yourself up in terms of business knowledge? Um, That's a great question. I very deliberate about that. Um, One, I had great mentors um, who helped me and you know, had lots of conversations um, and lots of time um, spent with them Two, I, I surrounded myself with people who were experts in the different areas of our business that I needed them to be experts in. Um, and so I, I made sure that I hired and had a great team that, uh, that supported our mission and our work. And three, I, I took a nonprofit leadership um, 
course for nonprofit CEOs through the Community Foundation of Tampa Bay. And it was a year long class. It was a cohort. Um, and we went over every aspect of leading a nonprofit. And I, I was able to have this community of CEOs of, of nonprofits of all sizes come together on a monthly basis to talk about our issues, to talk about our opportunities, best practices. And that became my, uh, gosh, my circle, my, you know, the people that I went to when I had questions, but that could not have been a better education for me being a brand new nonprofit leader to, um, to take that course as well. So I, those were the three things that I did um, in making this transition. What a fantastic resource to have too, right? Mm-hmm. I'd be yeah. like Googling mini MBAs for new nonprofit <laughs> CEOs or and something think, like that. <laughs> and I think that I would be very remiss seeing that I'm the board chair of this organization now, um, but making the transition um, from the for-profit sector to the nonprofit sector and, you know, and, and, and taking on a leadership role I took many courses at the Nonprofit Leadership Center of Tampa Bay as well. Um, In fact, after the Community Foundations program was over, we created a program called CEO Circles at the Nonprofit Leadership Center so that we could continue. Even though that program was done, that cohort was done, I wasn't done with my need to have my peers sitting around a table in a confidential and supportive setting to talk about the issues I'm facing as a nonprofit CEO. And so the Nonprofit Leadership Center provides a program for me to do that. So um, I can't, I also have to give um, thanks to the Nonprofit Leadership Center for all of the education that has provided not only me, but my entire team um, and, um, uh, and and helping to build and develop their skills as well. You, um, you said that part of how you ended up working there was you were on the board to begin with. How did that yes. come about? I, so I started, and this is, it's so funny how things, they, they start from one place and then they circle, I could come right back to it. So I actually <laughs> started, then I'm going to, I'm going to make sense in just a second. I'm sorry. I started, um, frameworks before it became frameworks was, um, an organization called, and its inception was called the Ophelia project. And, um, and the Ophelia project was fo- focused on relational aggression between girls. And it was a girl, like, and how, how to build a girl's social, emotional skills, um, their self-confidence, their, um, their beliefs um, in themselves and how to have healthy relationships and healthy um, self-identity. Um, and so that was the Ophelia Project. And so I was on the community board because the Ophelia Project was a program of the YMCA at the time because it was a new initiative and brand new. And we had some amazing women in Tampa who had created this. And we're launching it. And so I became involved right from the very beginning um, or pretty much from the very beginning um, and became a member of their community advisory board. And I did that on and off um, for about my four years, I guess. Um, then, then the Ophelia project had board members that said, well, boys need these skills too. So we launched the boys initiative. So we had the Ophelia project and the boys initiative still under the umbrella of the Y. And then they decided, the the community advisory board decided, all right, we need to become our own independent 501c3. We did that. We became um, the OPBI. That was the acronym that we later rebranded into Frameworks. But Frameworks really started as an organization that was um, 
and a program that was really targeting the relational aggression um, and the social and emotional skills of girls. And so that's how I first got involved was for that reason. And I, you know, I, I loved it because I was involved for a uh, gosh, I guess nearly 10, 13 years. Um, and so it's funny now to serve in a role that is back at serving girls again um, and, and their leadership development and, and skill building and all of that. So what an interesting organization um, and and also just kind of funny how these themes keep, you know, run throughout your life and career. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, when you and I had lunch recently, I remember you talking about how um, your team had just had some additional EQ training and or yeah, emotional or emotional intelligence training um, mm-hmm. and how important that is and, you know, kind of goes right in line with frameworks. Yes, absolutely. Um, we, I mean, in order for my workplace, our workplace to be um, a place where people are engaged, that they feel like their voices count, that they feel like they're, they can do their best every day. Um, we need to be an emotionally intelligent workplace. Uh, and because, you know, it's, it's, it's silly for us to think as human beings that we walk into work every single day um, being able to shut off all of our personal, you know, issues or challenges or, you know, awesome things that are happening. We bring all of that with us and all of that is rooted in feelings. And so we're all feeling things and our feelings drive our behaviors in so many ways. And the more that we are aware of our feelings how our feelings and others' feelings impact our day-to-day activities, behaviors, choices, everything. Um, If we raise awareness to that, if we create a culture or environment where feelings are not only, you know, that feelings are okay, we can talk about them um, and we can work together um, to, to manage them and to, and to celebrate each other's differences and recognize the feelings of another person um, and respect that, um, that's how we can become, you know, more successful. And so as, as, especially as an organization like Girl Scouts, it's critically important for us to cultivate and to have an environment like that. And many times um, people just don't even stop to take two seconds to think about why are feelings important? What role do feelings play in my life and in my workplace? Um, because if we don't recognize it and, uh, and have tools to, to manage our feelings and the feelings, you know, and, and how we relate with others, it's going to, it's going to come up. And if we don't address it head on and give ourselves the right tools, we're not going to have a workplace that is healthy. I am a big, big fan of meal prepping, but I don't like the amount of time it takes to find the right recipes that I want to use or to build a grocery list. Prep dish solves that. PrepDish is a healthy meal planning service that delivers recipes and grocery lists right to your inbox every week. It even includes step-by-step instructions for the prep day so that everything is chopped, marinated, and ready to go on meal night. I love that it requires no decisions on my part and saves me so much time. And I get access to delicious recipes like, seriously, listen to this, spaghetti squash with grass-fed beef and mushroom marinara. Oh my God. All the meals are either gluten-free or paleo-free, and you can make most of them dairy-free. My listeners get a free two-week trial by going to prepdish.com slash LTPF. 
Allison, the founder, really wants you to love this service. So check it out at PrepDish.com slash LTPF for a free two weeks. That's PrepDish.com slash LTPF. I wonder how you came to be so emotionally intelligent and to even like get to a point where you're like, my team needs this training, right? I mean, obviously with working through the organizations and and frameworks and Ophelia project and, and the such, but was there a time that you, I don't know, it came into focus that this was something that you yourself needed to really focus on? You know, I, I think about, you know, you asked me about where did my drive come from? Like, I've often wondered, like, how, you know, how did I turn out the way that I turned out um, as a person? And I really do think it's my emotional intelligence, my ability to manage my emotions and, um, and to relate well with others to, to be able to have um, respectful and, and, you know, great dialogue and, and relationships with other people. That is what, that's one of my skills. And I, and so I, I'm grateful that I have those skills and I see, and especially in working with youth, how, um, you know, you can have all the smarts in the world, but if you can't manage your emotions and you can't um, build successful and healthy relationships and maintain those relationships, then you're going to have challenges in life and in your career. Um, so these are just foundational life skills that help us to manage our stress, that help us to be more focused and, and I think efficient and positive in our careers, um, and to have healthier families. And so, um, I just think this is a basic life skill and, and it's, and it's impacted my life in a really positive way. And I recognize that. And I know that, you know, I'm a human and I make mistakes and I'm not perfect so far from it. But I'm constantly looking for ways that I can further my skills and my knowledge in this area because I know that it makes such a big difference. Um, and my team has given me that feedback too, how much they appreciate this aspect of my leadership um, and my support for them. And so I realized my team needed it. Um, you know, and you realize when you look at employee surveys, we have a we have a wonderful place to work. And I I have members of my team that tell me constantly how much they love working um, at Girl Scouts. Um, but we, we had areas that we could do better on. And I knew that we needed to have some emotional intelligence um, dialogues and discussions and have people recognize that, you know, feelings are okay. And we can, we can talk about them in the workplace and we can respect each other and have healthy relationships and give them the tools to do that. Um, that that was really going to move the needle and helping our team. So, you know, I could not be a stronger advocate for um, emotional intelligence. And especially if we at Girl Scouts, I mean, that's one of the things that we do is we help to build the social and emotional skills of our girls. And if we can't have strength in that area, then we're not going to be able to serve our girls well in that area either. Well, so much of it is, is, you know, learned behavior, right? And, you know, um, I always think back to like how I grew up and, and watching the adults in the room and how they interacted or dealt with um, their emotions. And every once in a while I can see myself mimicking that behavior and I'm like, okay, might need to watch that. (laughs) 
Um, no doubt. Absolutely. And so it's so important, particularly um, the ages that these young girls are when, when they join the Girl Scouts. Yes. Yes. Um, it's, it's incredibly important um, because, you know, you're, your your feelings influence so much and your emotions can if you if you just let them run and you don't manage them effectively you don't recognize them you can you know go off the handle you can make poor choices and um and decisions in your life and it's just and you do, this is a, you, you do model yourself after, um, what you see growing up as a child, you know, you, you know, our, our kids need positive influences and role models in their life who are modeling, um, healthy behaviors. Uh, so that's why, you know, at Girl Scouts, that's why being in troops and having positive role models as troop leaders, um, and is, is really important. Do you think that some of this also comes from your own little personal project that you started um, like six years ago, Um, you know, where you really decided to start focusing in on, you know, actually being present when you're with your girls and when you're, you know, with your family? Absolutely. That has made all the difference in the world. Um, I realized when I made the transition from the for-profit to the nonprofit sector that it wasn't, it wasn't my job. That was, uh, that was the issue that was like, you know, causing all of my stress and strife. It was my habits and I needed to put my phone away. I needed to focus better. I needed to, um, manage my priorities in healthier ways. Uh, and, that has made all the difference in the world. And, um, and there's a great, there's a great piece that comes with that. Um, and so our ability to focus, um, in any given moment and really dedicating our time and attention to that, um, has so many ramifications on aspects of our life. And there's this, you know, there's, and I could talk about this stuff for hours, but um, (laughs) there's this, there's a term called cognitive effort and cognitive control. And, um, and when you talk about emotional intelligence, the, the person who is, you know, probably most famously known for um, research and work in this field is Dr. Dan Goldman. I mean, he's really the one who put emotional intelligence on the map. And in his books, he talks about this cognitive effort and cognitive control. And what that basically means is, is our ability to focus on a single task, our ability to focus on a single task at hand. And there was a research study that was done of children, I think when they were three or five years old, they measured how long they could focus on something um, and then followed them for, you know, decades later. And the number one predictor of their success was the, the, the children's ability to focus um, over socioeconomic status and all of those things of their other determinants growing up. That was, that was the best predictor of their success was their ability to focus. And so we live in a society now that is just, we, I mean, we're just bombarded with information left and right. You know, it's coming, I, you know, I have, I have mailboxes and LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter and, you know, in my regular email and I have texts and you have all of, we're just an information overload. And when we're in meetings, we're on our phones or behind our screens. Um, and it's really important for us to 
still remain connected to our humanity and our humanness and our relationships and to, to keep those skills there. And so for me, my ability to focus helps me be more productive because I could go on about multitasking and how that's a huge, <laughs> huge myth. Um, and um, the you know, it help, helps us to be more productive. It helps us to be more connected to the people around us. Um, I mean, I'm frequently told um, how, you know, how people really appreciate my looking in the, at them in the eye, uh, my putting my phone down in meetings and really connecting with them and having a conversation Um you know, and it's, it's really important for us to just put that stuff away in the moments of life that are really important, especially if we want to remember and to build really strong relationships. Um, so anyways, I could talk about the science behind why <laughs> being present is so important, but I can tell you that I stress less, I sleep better, I have stronger relationships with my with my girls, my husband, my family, my friends, my coworkers, my team. Um, and, uh, because, because I, I, I really try hard to focus. So, you know, in, in your effort to do that, you started the be present project. Can you yes. talk a little bit about what that is and, you know, how it's helped others? Um, so it's a, blog and it I think it's kind of funny I make fun of myself a little bit about how um I I write about being focused and being present yet I created a website <laughs> to post stuff online and I'm telling people to put their phones away at times um <laughs> but it's a, it's basically a resource um and I you know when I first launched it um it was it, it was really centered around family and parenting um but then it you know then I'm I grew it into just and more just in general of life, like of just making this commitment to, and it's a very simple, you know, just very simple thing, just be present. And it's, um, it's as simple as that. And it's as complicated as that too, because it's a choice that we make. Um, and the more we don't practice on just stopping in the moment, putting our phones down or focusing on a certain thing, again, it's, we're not building that, that, that be present muscle that we need. Um, and so the more you do that, the easier it becomes, the less stressed you feel. Um, but I think it's just about having that awareness and having tools. That's, that's what I share is having, you know, awareness around why this is important. I share tools on how you can, um, to be more present in life and with your family and those you love. Um, I talk about, you know, why it's important, um, and the difference that it can make. Um, in your life, I feel, and I know that I'm, I'm the person that I am today and I'm, and my success and my happiness and my fulfillment, my relationships is because of just this one very simple thing. Well, and I know that so many people, and I count myself among them, um, often to be truly present would be to also to have to deal with some crap. Right. Yeah. And so it's so much easier to just like numb out by, you know, focusing on your phone and not the people around you or, or what have you. Um, so it's not always comfortable. Um, but it's, I mean, you're really, you are, you're really good at it. When we had lunch, I was like, man, she, I don't even know if she has her phone with her. 
<laughs> she's the CEO of Girl Scouts. What is happening? Um, <laughs> you know, and, and it's appreciated and I'm still working on it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not always the best when it comes and to I, that. I think we all, have, I, I still have moments like that too. You know, I mean, we all have, and that's, I think the other point that, um, is I think that we try to hold ourselves to standards of perfection that, um, that very easily get us into a cycle of then giving up. Um, and so it's, you know, it's, it's, we've got to give ourselves some slack. We've got to give ourselves some grace for, you know, falling down or making mistakes or, um, you know, or not performing or doing what we said we were going to do and just acknowledging that, um, and then moving on and trying again. Um, and that's, I mean, and that's building the muscle of focus, um, is you're going to, cause you're going to, it's going to, you're going to get distracted. You're going to have something that's going to interrupt you. You just have to keep practicing. And the more you practice, the better you get at it. I mean, it's like sports, right? right. I mean, well, it's like working yeah. out. It's the yeah. circle of life for me with working out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like really good about it for three weeks, four weeks, and then something gets in the way. And then I'm like, well, (laughs) Um, (laughs) we all can relate to that. I think so. Speaking of distracting, how is your very regal cat doing? (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad you asked about Wally. (laughs) You'll, you'll have to send me a picture of Wally so we can put it up on the website. Um, I will do that. I am so obsessed with my cat. He is amazing. <laughs> um, he was really being um, an aggressive, aggr- we call him the aggressive snuggler, um, an aggressive snuggler last night um, yeah. where he was. Like yeah, headbutting he and stuff. Oh yeah. Headbutting. But he, he uses his, I think he thinks he's human. Um he uses his paws like hands. So mm-hmm. he will like get on his back and he will like take, he wants my hand to do something. He literally grabs his two front paws <laughs> and he pulls his, his paws to make the, my hands to tell me like, Hey, you need to do this for me. Um, it's really cute. Does he ever him. paw slap you to wake you up? Um, he actually, he doesn't paw slap me. He massages my face to wake oh, right. me up. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, facial massage is like a thing right now. So that's nice. <laughs> Except for his claws. <laughs> right. My, my sweet boy who, uh, who passed in the spring, he would um, stick his little wet nose in my ear and purr really loudly. Or he would, he, and he did not, um, whoever had him before I found him, um, had him declawed. Um, so he didn't oh. have from claws, but he would paw smack me. Like, uh, I'm sick of you lying in bed, lady. Get up and feed me. (laughs) But it's like, and it would be so, but he'd be purring at this, like really loudly, like he had a motor. And it like, it was hard not to laugh at that. Yes, absolutely. My, my husband makes fun of me because, um, while he doesn't really, uh, meow, um, he's not a big talker, Mm -hmm. but he, he flutters. And, um, he, and I, he flutters and, and, and my husband makes fun of me. He's like, he only flutters to you. Like he only communicates and flutters to you. I want oh, you like to chirps. understand this. It's like this little thing. I don't even know how he did. I can't even believe I just did that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, what's funny is it's like this chirping almost. And that's like yeah. 
kind of like back to their roots because that's how oh, really? wildcats talk. Yeah. Oh, well, that's what he does. Oh, that's and he so communicates cute. with me. Yeah, it's it's. I love it. It's he, he chirps like. So thank you for giving me a term that I can use instead of flutters. <laughs> flutters works too, though. I was I I was close to getting what you meant. Maybe he does flutter more than chirps. I mean, I could be off. I'll have to meet him. Yes. See if he flutters with me. <laughs> um, so it, tell me about how this opportunity that you just completely jumped on um, with Girl Scouts happened. Um, so I read in a business journal that my predecessor was um, promoted within GSUSA, our national organization. And they were going to be doing a national search for a CEO replacement. And I, I truly thought to myself, I'm like, oh, my God, my dream job just became available. And then, you know, I was really excited. And then I had that that moment of like, oh, geez, like, am I am I really like, could I really do this? Would they really pick me? Like I started doing that self-doubt thing that I mm-hmm. think women do a lot. Um, and so I um, but I said I because this is me, which is how I always, this is just my personality, how I always have done things. I, I always say, I, you know what? I've got this. I have confidence and I've got this, even though I mean, I feel like I may be not like a hundred percent, like ready for something like this. I'm still, I'm going to go after this. Um, I don't care. I'm going to do it. And so I did. Um, and it was a, probably one of them. It was, I shouldn't say one of, it was the most arduous interview processes I've ever been through. Um, it took six months in total. But what I loved about the process, they, um, they had a search firm um, do this and they had a committee that hired, um, that went through the hiring to recommend to the board. But what I loved about the process, it was so thorough that at the end, I knew that this job was the perfect job for me. And I felt like the board then, or the committee then also mutually knew that I was the right person for the job. So even though the process was long um, and difficult, um, I shouldn't say difficult, challenging, uh, it was it was perfect because it brought us together in a really great way. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I from what I understand, 140. 241 people applied for this job um and um and they picked me so they did an actual like call for applications as opposed to having the search firm just kind of go out and and seek people the search firm definitely did that um but they also opened it up so that you know when i inquired about applying for the job they said here's the search firm they're managing the whole process that's cool Um, Mm -hmm. so many times we, you know, hear about like, well, I'll give an example where I'm like, I wonder what's going to happen next is, you know, with the WNBA, the president, um, of the WNBA is leaving to go to the Time's Up organization. And, you know, the question is like, okay, now what are they going to do and how are they going to do it? And who are they going to use for the search? And like, you know, of course I'm like, well, I don't think I'm ready to be president of the WNBA, but still like, I wonder how they're doing it, what they're doing. There are some other moving pieces in that organization. That's interesting. Um, yeah. I, go on. I, so for, for the, for Girl Scouts, um, they did a, they did a survey of membership to get their feedback on what they wanted in a CEO. 
Um, I mean, it, truly a very thorough process, which, you know, that surveyed our adult members, our gr- girls as well. Um, wow. They did focus groups, I think, with the board to get their feedback as well. That they wanted and a CEO. So they had all of this data um, and they, I, you know, they overlaid that with, um, you know, the strategic plan of the organization um, and where the organization was heading and then overlay that with the candidates. Um, so it was, you know, I think a very well thought out um, and thorough process. That's, that's amazing. I know yeah. so many times it's not. <laughs> and, right. and that's when you end up leading into, you know, high turnover and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the biggest change going from um, Framebridge over to GSA? That's- Gosh, biggest change. Well, just the biggest change was the scope of everything. I mean, I was at an organization that was just under a million dollar budget to and about 10 employees to an organization that was a seven plus million dollar budget and 80 employees. Um, So and the scope and breadth of our programs was is just huge. Um, and then you've also got to think about, and the, the other big, I, the other distinction I make with this too is with Girl Scouts, um, we have a very um, sophisticated governance structure, which I'm, I love. I'm, I have so much respect for. Um, so w- with that though comes, for me at least, we're a membership organization with a sophisticated governance structure. So for me, this not only feels like a position where I report to a board president, um, like any other nonprofit does, um, I report to a board, but I also feel like, and I respect and, um, and, and very deliberately um, serve, I also serve at the will of, I think, our membership as well. So as much as this feels like a, you know, a appointed position, like, you know, hired at will, you know, for you know, with any, with any company, I also feel like this is almost like, um, not an elected position because my membership didn't elect me, but I do feel like I have a responsibility to serve them and to keep them updated, um, about our, um, our organization strategically where we're heading, listening to their, um, feedback, um, which is very important to me. And, um, and why I created some, some advisory groups to help me, um, every month to that end. Uh, so if that's another big difference is because we're a membership organization, um, I work really hard to make sure that I understand how our volunteers and our girls are feeling about our organization and things that we could improve or things that we're doing well, and what we can do more of. It sounds pretty similar to being president of the United States. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> It's not like you're that far off. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I love my job. I swear I tell, I've been telling people like I am, I think I'm ruined for life because I could never work anywhere else that would be as rewarding, fun, exciting, challenging, um, constantly evolving and changing in positive ways and some not so positive ways. Um, you know, there's, I, I can't imagine there being another role like this one where I can, I, every day is something new and, um, and I'm able to grow and 
and I'm in our, our organization, we, we talk about how we're, we change and we move at the speed of the girl so that we can keep up with today's girl and offer them the things that they need to be the 21st century leaders of tomorrow. It, it takes us to be very innovative and nimble and flexible. Um, and so, you know, that kind of drive and propulsion forward, we, I have to be, you know, very nimble, flexible, and constantly having vision to look at the future. Um, so I just, man, I, I feel so lucky to have this job. <laughs> it's, it's fun whenever I watch you talk about your job because it's so very apparent. Um, your eyes get twinkly. I mean, they're already kind of twinkly anyway, but like they get twinkly. That sounded really creepy. I'm sorry. Um, I'm keeping that in, but I didn't mean to come off creepy, but like, oh boy. Um, but you do, you, you, you just kind of like light up, you know, when you're, when you're speaking about the girls or the organization. And I think that's so important. Um, if, if people want to, you know, find a a career that they're passionate about. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've all heard of Girl Scouts. We've all eaten Girl Scout cookies. If a single human being says that they haven't, they're lying. (laughs) Like you're lying. Um, (laughs) But I don't think that we always understand the history and, and the, the mission behind Girl Scouts of America. Mm-hmm. Can you please enlighten us? Yes. So um, I love talking about this stuff. Okay. So <laughs> Girl Scouts was founded, Girl Scouts was founded um, in 1912 by a very pioneering woman named Julia Gordon Lowe, who really wanted to challenge the notion that leadership was a male only privilege she met Lord Baden Powell, who founded Boy Scouts um, in England. And um, when he was starting uh, Boy Scouts and said, you know, girls, girls need this same opportunity. And so she brought that to the United States and started Girl Scouts in Savannah, Georgia. And, and she, I mean, and she was a revolutionary woman herself. Um, she, um, she was in an unhappy marriage. They got divorced. Um, but she did things personally that she was an inventor. She was a world traveler. She that personally that were really kind of broke the mold at that time of what a woman was and what a woman did. Um, some of the stories that I've heard about her is um, that she loved to um, garden in her front yard out of her house, which was unheard of because men didn't want to see women doing manual work. Um, and so their gardens <laughs> were typically behind their houses and not in front. Um, so, um, but she just, like I said, she was an inventor. She created a movie when movies were just, you know, just brand new come, you know, being created. I mean, this woman did so many things and traveled the world, um, and, and did this as a single woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, um, but the second troop ever of girl scouting, um, was actually started, um, in Tampa. What? Um, yes. I didn't yeah, know that. Um, yes. Yes. Um, her, her, one of her dear friends, Jessamine Flowers Link started the second troop in Girl Scouts at Hyde Park United Methodist Church in Tampa. In fact, there's this green historical marker on Swan Avenue in Tampa where you can go and read about Jessamine, um, and the second troop ever of Girl Scouts. Um, so the national movement was born when, um, and Ju- when Juliet, when, you know, when girls started starting to grow and realizing they needed to create a national organization, um, Juliet sold her, 
um, wedding pearls um, uh, for $8,000, $6,000 or $8,000, I don't remember what it was, to fund the national organization. Um, but she was just truly um, a woman who wanted girls to have the same opportunities as boys, um, to be able to camp and go outdoors, to play basketball. And she truly said, too, that Girl Scouting was for all girls. And I'm really proud of our organization for being as inclusive and progressive as we have always been since our founding. Um, and it's also really exciting and and just um uh, just such an honor to think about the scope of Girl Scouting um, and how many women have been Girl Scouts, how many really incredible, awesome leaders in our world who have been Girl Scouts and what Girl Scouting um, did for them. And, you know, and I, so I was a Girl Scout. My sister was a Girl Scout. My mom was a Girl Scout. My grandmother was a Girl Scout. My daughters are Girl Scouts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just... Um, it's something that's really special and, and something that is so needed probably now more than ever to continue to um, give girls the tools and the confidence in a safe place that is just girls to be themselves and to, to take really safe risks and to find their voice and understand their voice is important and that it's powerful um, and to be able to use that um, to accomplish anything that they want to in life. This episode is brought to you by the Sports MBA program at San Diego State University. If you're considering going back to school to further your career in sports business, look no further than SDSU Sports MBA. In San Diego, you'll have direct access to local sports organizations while studying, and you'll work on class projects for local sports teams like the Padres, Goals, and Seals. Just a short drive away, SDSU students have access to events, companies, and teams in Los Angeles, Anaheim, and even nearby Mexico. Every January, the school year kicks off with a behind-the-ropes volunteer experience at the Farmers Insurance Open, the local PGA Tour event at Torrey Pines. Every weekend after that, there's a sports event going on nearby, and you can count on SDSU Sports MBA students working behind the scenes. In 2018, students worked events like NCAA March Madness, the Rugby Sevens World Cup, the CAA World Congress of Sports, the Major League Rugby Championship game, the 2018 Special Olympics USA Games, charity events, surf festivals, and more. For hands-on sports experience while earning your degree, come to SDSU Sports MBA. Applications are open now through November 1st for January enrollment. Visit sdsu.edu slash sports MBA. That's sdsu.edu slash sports MBA. Boy Scouts or BSA, whatever the hell you want to call it now, has rebranded. They're going to be inclusive of girl with girls mm-hmm. now. Why do you why do you think it's so important for girls to have their own space? Because we live in a world where um, we interact with all genders. Um, constantly. Right. And so girls need a place that is just girls so that they feel safe to explore themselves and who they are. I mean, I could, I I could, I could fill our office building with the amount of research that supports and points to um, the impact and importance of um, gender, gender specific um, environments and, and learning environments. And especially for girls um, because you know, and in a mixed gendered environment, they are less likely to raise their hand. Um, 
and when they're really when they're younger um, and we really need to have that safe place and opportunity for girls to find their voice to have confidence in that voice and to be able to practice it in a safe space before they go out and use that voice powerfully in this world um, so it's really important for girls to have that that girl only environment and on top of that Girl Scouts has been around for more than a hundred years and we have, we have been focused on girls honing our programs to serve them and their needs today. Um, and they're constantly evolving needs. We're constantly doing research and keeping a pulse on our nation and our States on how well girls are faring and, um, and their needs and, um, and where they might be falling behind and how we can support them. Um, and so Girl Scouts is, I mean, we're the girl experts and we focus on that. And so I, that's really important is girls having an organization that is full of leaders um, and people who want to see girls succeed and achieve um, to close that gender pay gap, to close the gender gap in STEM fields, to, you know, there's so many ways that um, and things that we need to do um, to continue to elevate the leadership potential of girls. And I'm grateful that Girl Scouts is remaining fiercely focused on what we've always done and what we do best. And that's serving our girls and making sure that they have um, the opportunities for anything that they want to be in the future. Sometimes you'll hear people say that Girl Scouts is you know, sure, the color may be green, but it's really a pink organization, you know, that um, there's basket weaving and selling of cookies and other crafts. Um, But none of that, like, outdoorsy stuff and nothing that's really, you know, challenging them on other levels. Tell me why that's wrong. Oh, I mean, I know it's wrong. I just want you to tell me why. (laughs) (laughs) Just to be clear, everyone. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's so wrong. And it's not, um, and it's a, it's a misperception and a myth. And I, I, it's a pervasive myth and it, 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 um, it's something that we work really hard to try to overcome. Um, but Girl Scouts is so much more than that. In fact, um, we have high adventure and high ropes courses, um, at two of our camps. Um, we have in our council alone, we have four camp properties um, and girls can do primitive camping. They can do camping in cabins. They can do paddle boarding. They can do, we have an 800 foot zip line at one of our camps. What? They can do, yes. <laughs> one of insane. the longest in Florida. No, one of the longest in Florida. Have you been um, on it? We have, I have, oh no, I have not been on that one yet. I, the line, you know, so that when I did have my opportunity, there was a line of girls wanting to go and I'm like girls first, like. Yeah, I will. I'll, I'll figure out a time that I can go and do that. But I'm not I'm not scared to do it, but I'm ready. But I haven't done it yet. We have, you know, we have rock climbing walls. Um, you know, girls can get scuba certified. Girls go on hikes together um, where they do primitive camping and they go hiking. Um, we do international travel programs. Um, so we give girls an opportunity to do things um you know, a lot of times without their parents so that they are building that confidence of being independent um, and on their own. We also do a lot of family activities too. So we, we, we offer both opportunities, but we do a lot of things outdoors. And we certainly offer girls the experiences and opportunities to step outside their comfort zones and take risks. And I will, I, I have to tell this quick story. I, 
I have a girl advisory board that I meet with monthly. In fact, I'm, I'm meeting with them tomorrow. Our first, um, it's like one of my favorite days ever. My first, <laughs> our first meeting, I just love spending time with our girls. Our first meeting, we went to a camp, one of our camps and we did, um, low ropes course, um, team building. And then we have a giant swing and this giant swing, I have to tell you about it. So you are in a, a harness, like a, you know, the harnesses that you step into, like yep. with your legs and on your waist. And then you have a cable um, hooked to the back of your, of that harness. Um, two cables, one, um, one that's pulling you up and one that you're going to swing down. So, and if you got two cables on either side of your, um, of your harness as well. So you've got, you're kind of hooked in three different places. And what happens is the team pulls you up on in this contraption it's called the giant swing and they pull you up and you go up i i have to say at least 30 or 40 feet up in the air and you're just attached by these wires and then you just pull you just pull this little string and the thing unclasps and you just go swinging oh my god and it's i know it's so cool um it's the best oh it's just so much fun it is scary though like I screamed my head off when <laughs> I did it um and the, gr- the girls were made so much fun of me but um but we did the giant swing um and I had this little um she just became a, a junior um she's in fourth grade and it was her first real advisory board meeting and she um and she's oh my gosh she just makes my heart melt um she came up to me and she said I I just want to let you know that I am I'm excited but but I, I'm nervous. I'm nervous because I get nervous when I do new things that I haven't done before. And I said to her, I said, we all feel that way. Um, and then she smiled and then she <laughs> said, I'm going to do, I'm going to do the swing. I'm, I'm going to do the swing. And I said, I believe you. I said, I know you'll conquer that swing. And she did. Um, and she still talks like when I saw her a few weeks ago, she was like, I, she was just so proud of herself for <laughs> pushing her out, pushing herself outside the comfort, comfort zone. Of, I mean, can you imagine a fourth grader going up that high? You I know, know. I mean, totally different perspective. Um, but anyways, yeah, Girl Scouting is, um, it offers girls any kind of adventure that they would want to have, um, in their life, like whatever level is comfortable for them. And aside from adventure, there's, you know, a huge focus on, on STEM and, um, you know, general leadership in business. Um, can you talk about some of those programs? Sure. Absolutely. Um, so STEM is one of our main focus areas and something that, um, I'm really excited that we have GSUSA rolled out its largest collection of new badges, um, in years. Um, and they are all STEM and outdoor related. Um, and so girls and it's, you know, of all ages. So, um, they can do things like artificial intelligence, robotics, um, cybersecurity. They can earn badges for all of these things. Um, so really helping them to have hands-on exploration of STEM fields and careers. Um, because that we, cause what we know from research, um, that's what gets girls interested, um, in those fields is that those hands-on learning opportunities as well as, and this is what something that Girl Scouts is really great at and what we're, what we're continually committed to focusing on is making the connection between those fields and those careers and what difference and impact it makes in the community. Um, and that's important for, for girls. 
um, to be able to make that connection. That's one thing. And then for our high school Girl Scouts, I'm really excited because our council in particular, um, we had over 20% increase um, last year in the number of high school girls we served. That's amazing. Um, I know. I'm I'm just so excited. And then coming into this year, we're still seeing that momentum going strong. And it's because we're putting focus on what kind of um, programs and offerings can we give to our high school Girl Scouts to prepare them for their next stage of life. And so we have our high awards. So for more than 100 years, girls have been earning what we call their bronze, silver and gold awards. And they create these incredible community projects that um, are truly some of them are truly life changing. Um, I could give you so many examples, but um, they work really hard to earn those high awards and we honor them. We launched something in the last year called Camp CEO. Um, and that's where we bring it's a weekend leadership retreat for our high school Girl Scouts where we have a one to one mentor slash girl ratio of female executives from all different career fields. And we match them by interest with a with a girl and girl scouting. Um, and they go through a weekend of leadership, um, career and personal growth. Um, and it's a tremendously impactful, like I, the, and I've used this word a thousand times to describe it because it's truly the only word that I think can it's magical. I mean, it truly <laughs> is magical. The weekend is, and the girls, I mean, the girls who participate tell me it's the best thing they've done in girl scouting. Um, uh, and then we have other thing called we have other things called the Career Cafe, and the Career Cafe was actually created by a high school Girl Scout as her Gold Award project. And oh, it, cool! I'm, it's incredible. Um, she's a Lightning Community Hero um, as well. She um, she created this um, day. It's a, a day long uh, workshop of you know resume writing, mock interviews. Um, and then they have speakers come in and this is all for high school girl scouts and it created by a girl scout. And so we continue to do the career cafe, um, because all girl scout high award projects have to have sustainability. So the girl, the girl scouts have to have a plan for how that project is going to remain, um, and you know, keep going without them um, pushing it, you know, forward. Um, so they have to think through sustainability when it comes to their projects. So we're doing a lot to build the skills of our high school Girl Scouts and give them options for really setting themselves apart and preparing them for their future. That's so good. I know that that, that can be really difficult, particularly those years, right? To oh, keep yes. to keep Girl Scouts in the program you know, mm -hmm. and not dropping off because of sports or boys or girls or whatever, you know, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, it's, that's a really important time to have them in front of you, you know, and to be teaching. And I'm excited to uh, hopefully be able to help out with a couple of those projects this year, which will be Yay. nice. Yes. Um but I love, you know, one of the things that you you mentioned quickly um, a little bit before, and we talked a little more in depth during lunch, was just how much um, you're exploding in terms of membership and um, and the momentum that you all have right now. Yes. Um, you know, coming in, so our new membership year just started October 1st. And, um, and coming into this year, we, we are again, um, at a 20% increase in membership over last year. Uh, so we're really excited about the momentum that we have so far. And our team is, uh, is just incredible of volunteers and staff, 
um, are just working so hard to get these girls placed into troops and getting new troops formed um, to really have a really strong Girl Scout year. So yeah, no, I, I'm I'm excited um, about the momentum that we have um, and 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 making sure that our community's families understand and know what Girl Scouts is today and what we offer and um, and the tremendously amazing opportunities their daughters can have and their family, you know, too, can have being a part of um, our movement. Can you um, tell me the stories or, or the explanation behind why some cookies have multiple names? <laughs> yeah. That's another like, you know, behind the green curtain, um, you know, scenario. Um, it's, but it's not anything, you know, um, confidential. But there are two bakers. So Girl Scout cookies have also been around for more than 100 years. Um, we celebrated the 100th anniversary of um, Girl Scout cookies um, last year. And, um, but there are two bakers that bake Girl Scout cookies. And so each council can select which baker they want to get their cookies from. And so, um, you know, I know that you grew up with Caramel Delights, right? right? Okay, so I my favorite Girl Scout cookie are Samoas, and that's what we call them at our council. Samoas. Right. I was but t- you have the lemonade cookie. See, and I don't remember those because uh, I just okay. cared about the caramel delights. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, but so I think we have different names. So I think one of the myths, and I remember you and I talking about this, was that the the bakery that is utilized is based on geography, but that's not accurate, right? Nope, that is not accurate at all. We can choose whichever baker we want to. Um, we want, we can choose whichever bigger we want to work with. It's up to the council. And each council like gets to negotiate their own thing with them, right? Exactly. Which so is whatever, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> whichever. Um, yeah, we, we, we work out whatever agreement that we want to have, um, with the baker that we select. How, um, for people listening who are like, you know what? I want to help out or I want to get involved. What, where should they look or, or go to? I mean, it, speak in like generalities, but then Tampa specific. Okay. So if they want to get involved in Girl Scouts, um, they really just, all they have to do is go to girlscouts.org. Um, there's a whole, you just click on volunteer and, um, and you will get connected with whatever council opportunities um, are that are, you'll get connected directly to that council. So if you just in general want to go to Girl Scouts for um, our organization, um, I really love this. Um, we have a URL called shewillsucceed.com. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, you got to be kidding me. That's available. Buy it now. <laughs> I love you. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So she will succeed. Um, and there it takes you to the main page of our website and, um, and you can click on, um, the volunteer opportunities. Very cool. Um, will you, for those also in Tampa, um, will you be at the USF WLP event? Um, I will, I will only be there for a short period of time um, because I am heading out of town that afternoon, but my entire team will be there. We have a table, so there will be lots of Girl Scouts there. You won't be able to miss them. Will there be cookies? 
There will not be cookies. Okay. I'll just come by your house. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But you can, so I I will, I, you know, I will do a shameless plug. If you do want to get cookies early and experience our cookies in a really fun and creative way, one of our best and most fun events is dessert first, where you literally eat dessert first. And we have chefs from all over the Bay area, create these incredible desserts out of our cookies. Like they literally have to use our cookies. And some of the chefs use multiple cookies to create one dessert. It is so cool. Um, And so then you get to vote on which dessert is best. And then you go and have dinner. Oh my God. What is this? (laughs) You need to send this to me with the camp CEO information (laughs) that you have to send to me. I will definitely send this to you. Yes. And you get to dress up. There's a silent and live auction. There's entertainment. Um, and there's cookies galore and cookie desserts. It's so much fun. It sounds like heaven. It is. It is heaven. (laughs) You literally go into like sugar shock by the time you're like, you have eaten all of the, um, all of the different cookies, um, or the desserts inspired by the cookies, but they're so good. And it's so fun to talk to the chefs and ask them like why they chose and, you know, the, the cookie that they did and creating their desserts that some of them, I mean, some of the chefs use dry ice in there. They're just so creative. It's so fun. So oh, that's fun. amazing. Yeah, um, so you, can get, you can get your cookies there. Okay. I like that. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, how do people follow along um, with what you're doing with what, you know, your council and Girl Scouts generally are doing all the social and all that stuff. So you can, you can find Girl Scouts of West Central Florida on Facebook. It's Girl Scouts of West Central Florida. Um, I think on Instagram, we are at GSWCF, the acronym. Um, and the same thing um, with Twitter um, is, um, is um, it's Girl Scouts. It's, it's, it's at GSWCF. So it's that, the whole acronym at GSWCF. Um, so I, and I, please, I encourage you to follow our social media. It's, we, we post super fun, um, informative things. Um, I think you'd enjoy it. Uh, and then you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at, at Jess Miroff. Um, and then to close out, what do you do by way of self-care? Uh, you know, so I am very, I love to work out. So, um, and I really like to push myself in my different workouts too. So I do boxing. I do some high intensity, um, interval training. I do this ridiculous class called the hurt locker. What? Um, (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't even sound fun. I'm not. I hate my life for an hour, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but it's really effective. So, um, so I, I, you know, I, those are the, I like Pilates too. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, that's what I do for self-care. I love to read. I love to craft. Um, I, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see, I do, um, creative chalkboards. So I will do like chalkboard quotes, um, for my kids. Um, Oh my God. I, I, I like you're to adorable. <laughs> I love to bake. Yeah. I used the funny, um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, this, that's what I do. All of this as Wally watches yes. from his perch. <laughs> yes. That's exactly right. <laughs> oh my or gosh. In my hand to like stop doing that and come live on me. Yeah, of course. Um, well, thank you again for coming on. I love, 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 uh, your leadership in the community. I, you know, I kind of, 
uh, fangirled you at an event recently. <laughs> and it's because I'd seen you at so many and you had spoken at so many since I have gotten to Tampa. And, um, and I had been thinking about, um, you know, asking you to come on. So I'm really happy that we were both at that event recently and, um, you know, that we've, we've gotten to know each other. So I, I do want to just say thank you so much. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Um, I, this was so much fun. So, so thank you. And we definitely like the, the, the mutual, like the, the feeling is definitely mutual. Um, I, I, I really would love to take you for a glass of wine. So I think we need to continue our, our fierce conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Jessica for coming on the podcast. I'm so very excited to have met her and to be able to help the organization in its mission. Please make sure that you are subscribing, rating, and reviewing the podcast on Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and Apple Pods. And you can also find us on ltpfpod.com and radioinfluence.com. And I really, really do appreciate all of your reviews and ratings. They help other people to find the pod that don't know about the pod. So please do that. And then you can follow us on all of the social at LTPF pod on Insta, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can email at ltpfpod at gmail.com. Thanks and have a wonderful week. This is a We've Seen That Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Again, Denzel and Julia Roberts. And Julia Roberts had been in a couple of significant movies. Again, Denzel was on the very popular 1980s uh, adult drama St. Elsewhere, centered around a hospital in Boston, Massachusetts. That's, that, as Dr. Chandler, a surgeon, that's our first introduction on a regular basis to Denzel each week on that show. And so now you have him in this role playing the lawyer, and he's with Julia Roberts. What about the two of them together as kind of the tag team trying to f- figure this thing out. I mean, it is obviously the crux of the movie, isn't it? It's what makes the movie work. Yeah, and we'll get to this in a little while when we hit some of the trivia nuggets, but a fun fact about this is the character of Grey Grantham in the novel was white. So that that's definitely uh, an addendum, you know. Pretty much every one of John Grisham's movies when, or novels when they brought to the screen, they changed stuff like The Firm. They blatantly changed the ending. Right. This one, they kind of changed the ending a tad, but not quite as obvious as The Firm. But that's one thing that you interesting, know, is, is quite interesting obvious. That the, is the character is the white. character was white in the book. He's black in the movie, and his name is Gray. Right in the middle. Correct. Bravo, Correct bravo to Grisham for the Pelican Brief. Very nice. We've seen that with T.J. Reeves and Jay Betzel can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.